0: and welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip the Block and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our panelists and guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, uh, we have attorney and former officer Michael Crone this evening. Thank you, Michael, for being on the show. Uh, We also have retired major Ronald McMullen, he's also, in case you're guessing what the sign is behind him, running for Hillsborough County Sheriff. We've actually got some stories about uh, coming up about that, too. We've got retired Captain Brett Bartlett, retired Corporal David D. Grusta, retired officer all the way from New York this evening, Cody Ann Cook. And we have producer Will Statzer, the guy that makes it all happen. And uh, so, thanks guys for, uh, for being on the show. Uh, really, really appreciate having you all here. And let's see, also a shout out to our sponsors. We have Column Case Management, we have Extra Duty Solutions, Gunlearn.com, and Viridian Weapon Technologies. We, we will have some more information about them later. And we're also syndicated on the radio five days a week through Good Talk Radio and also on demand through I-10 FM. And we will have some more shout outs, you know, from them as well. And we're also powered by Pexip. their software platform that makes this uh, teleconferencing software uh, all possible. So thanks, everybody that participates in making this show possible. Guys, we've got a, a great, great lineup. And I know I say that every week, but we honestly do um, this time. You know, we've got... Um, a couple of petitions that I actually have been, um, you know, working on and, you know, we're going to, we've actually got those, I've uploaded those to our Facebook page, so in case you guys haven't seen them on Facebook yet, you know, they are on the Facebook page, but um, these Petitions, I guess we'll say, for lack of a better term, um, they're on a—it's a White House petition site. If you get a hundred thousand signatures within thirty days, they go and submit it to the proper policymakers in order to try to make them, you know, policy. So if you if you want to get access to these immediately before producer will has a chance to get on the site, simply go to our Facebook page at Leo Roundtable, and you'll see two petitions there. Uh, one is called Abolish Absolute Immunity um, that, you know, for public officials, if qualified immunity is abolished for law enforcement officers. So that's the first one. And the second petition is request a DOJ investigation into the improper prosecution of the Atlanta police officers, uh, from the district attorney, Paul Howard, you know, in reference to the death of Rayshard Brooks. So I finally got that out. So anyhow, again, Two petitions, go to our Facebook page, we'll uh, stats our producers gonna have them on our production page, which will be tomorrow and actually probably just throw them in on the one that's gonna go live uh, later on this evening at the end of the show. So we thank you guys in advance for your support on this. Also, please, please forward these to your family and friends through social media. Um, you know, Facebook, you know, whatever, just whatever you can do to get these petitions out there. Please, guys, help us out with this. We really need those signatures in order to make this stuff happen. So, all right. That said, I'm on, let's go ahead.
1: I'm on my own for that one, Chip. My family has blue li- Black Lives Matter flags in their yard, and they won't even listen to me about our Blue Lives Matter.
0: <laughs> Is that right? Nice. Oh, well, thanks. Well, look, here we go with our first story then, um, nationalreview.com. This is actually from uh, attorney Ward Mythaler, who cannot be with us. And, and actually, I think he's for the, remember last week, you know, he, he's in a uh, Seattle area and they've got that, you know, autonomous zone. And so now he's at Mount Rushmore. And, uh, you know, and I think the president was sent the troops over there because they were in deface, you know, uh, the face of the, uh, of the president. So anyhow, Ward's they're either following Ward around or whatever, or he's following them around, but um It'd be be wild if someone recognized him from the show, Uh, and we'll hear about that. So we're talking about now police reform and the making of a racism narrative. Now, the guy that wrote this, and I'm going to list a couple of these authors, because we have some really good articles, it's Andrew McCarthy. And he talks about, um, have you seen the mountain of evidence that Derek Chavin, that's our cop, um, is a racist? And he says, me neither. And he goes on to say that um, did some shred of racial animus motive, the since fired Minneapolis police officers killing of George Floyd with a question mark. And for the moment, we have no proof of that, just a racialist narrative that's built on the happenstance that Chauvin is white and that Floyd was black. And so our writer goes on to say that as an investigator, he's intrigued by the fact that Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison refused to disclose police body cam video of the moments that led up to Chauvin's uh, neck hold, which I think bothered everybody. I mean, everybody, period, especially people on this panel. So similarly, the fact that Minnesota police procedures actually permitted the use of neck holds for suspects who resisted arrest, it has disappeared from the reporting. There's no chatter permitted on that. Um, either about the facts that Floyd had a significant criminal record, um, although he had had no new charges in recent years, and also he was suspected of passing a small amount of counterfeit money at the time of his arrest, and he was high on fentanyl and methamphetamine, which w- is a toxic combination whose ingestion is uh, particularly dangerous for a person with his heart conditions. So all that, you know, of course, goes into play. But considering all that, racism, as far as the narrative, it's driving the nation to ruin now, the defamation that police are institutionally um, racist uh, because America is in, indelibly racist has opened a potentially unbridgeable chasm. It says that the it's abetted by two national character flaws. The first is our gravitation to political leaders capable of only making matters worse by their spitefulness and, and, uh, and posturing this. And then the second is our increasingly manifest conviction that we are not worth defending. So in other words, we're playing defense is what I get by that. So, um, interesting, uh, interesting article. I don't know what you guys, you know, think about it or if there's any comments on the article. But I thought it was, uh, you know, worthy of, of listing and Ward uh, forwarded it to us. So, any uh, any comments on the video, Cody, Michael, Crone? go ahead, guys.
1: I believe that. Right, uh, thank you. I believe that it's a good article. I think it's really well written. But I also would like to preface that with the point that regardless of whether he was on methamphetamine and fentanyl, and regardless of whether he had just committed a crime, and regardless of whether he had a criminal past or not, which many people do, that doesn't make them any less worthy of being treated with respect and in a diplomatic way through law enforcement. I mean, obviously, if somebody's actively resisting arrest and, and our elevation of force goes up, there's a, re- there's a reason that force is going up. But in general, the totality of your behavior is it has to be respectful it has to be kind it has to you have to do things in a certain way that is professional and and diplomatic to all races and what happened to him is wrong regardless of what his past is and i think that every one of us on the panel feels that you know he should have never been put Had a knee on his neck. It it was unjustified, and unfortunately, Chauvin made a huge mistake. And that mistake is now costing the whole country um, a a lot of money and and people's safety, whether they're in law enforcement or just civilians, and people losing their businesses. I mean, there's so much that surrounds that. So even though the article is justified in what it points out, it still doesn't justify his death.
0: Thank
2: you, Cody. and I'll piggyback off that. Um, I think the, art, the author of uh, Mr. McCarthy hit the nail on the head. Uh, what sign, what evidence do they have that the officer was racist in any way? Uh, There's an opportunist, uh, opportunistic moment where the nation sees, we have 41 million people out of jobs and they seize the moment to protest. Why didn't Black Lives Matter or any other minority group or, or white group? the day before that happened uh this is not this is a happen chance i mean the officer used a wrong procedure wrong technique and unfortunately led to the death of that person but this is not racism there's no evidence there's nothing and in most of our shootings or uh black on white white on black shootings there's no racism and they're arguing that it is and again i'd like to see some evidence that shows that this officer went to work every day and was a racist and that he waited for this particular moment in time to execute such a uh, racist act. It just—it's not there. It's not in the evidence.
0: Thank you, Michael. And Michael, just FYI, your microphone. There's a lot of it's—it's it's kind of garbled. So I don't know if you've got a good connection or if you need to reboot. You know, with that microphone, but it's—it's—it's it's, um, it's barely discernible. But uh, but we heard most of what you mm. said. So, Captain Brett, you're up.
3: Oh, you guys are so silly. You're stuck in four weeks ago. Four weeks ago the guy got killed, it's passed, it's four weeks passed now. If they came out tomorrow and found the officer did every single thing right, you guys really think it would make a difference as far as where we're at right now? Y'all, that, that barn door has been open, and, and the cow was out, and it doesn't matter if we shut the barn door, it's not going to change. We keep talking about whether that guy was right or wrong, and this is not the issue anymore. We need to start talking about who it is that's running these protests. It's a hardcore group of Marxist-trained people who are, they they go into the crowd, they get the crowd fired up, they get the crowd arrested, and these people move on. Yo, who gives a damn about that dead guy right now? Who gives a damn about him? There are much bigger things to worry about right now, whether that cop killed that guy, killed him righteously or not. We need to get the hell past this guy, and we need to get in the moment right now we need to start thinking about tomorrow and not four weeks ago.
0: Now, Brett, in all fairness, the article was nothing about what you just said. The article was about a <laughs> no, false No, and they No, can- I, don't,
3: no I, don't even, I don't even care if it's racist. I don't care what the argument is. The argument is over. We're not going to win the argument. We're not going to win this, if cops are racist or not. It doesn't matter. That argument is yesterday. We need to start worrying about what's going on now. Y'all, you know, there are bigger things in our world other than that guy, or this other guy, or the next guy. That's we not the point of
0: the article. The article point is that the racism is just a, a – a, a, a ve- they're just using this other stuff as a vehicle to get the racism narrative so they have something to accomplish. No, it kidding. Has nothing-
3: I, I'm no kidding. I've been saying that for weeks. No yeah, kidding. But that's what the, then the article
0: – then you agree with the article then instead of I saying care.
3: that – I don't care about the article. I don't care about the article. I don't care about the article. Look, did you even listen, listen racism, to this article
0: right in all seriousness now? Did you really yeah. listen to
3: it? Uh, racism or not, dead guy or not, you're right, Chip. It's a vehicle by which it's, but we keep going back to, well, the policy said, the policy said, the policy didn't say, the policy might have said. You guys think that matters? You think that happened yesterday? It well, doesn't matter. Because what if they prove, what if they prove that he was yeah. absolutely right? Will it make a bit of difference after all this? talk we've been talking. Will it make a difference if all God's creatures decide he did the right thing? Will that stop these people from moving forward?
4: No, no, Chip, it's my turn. It will matter to Derek Chauvin. That's who it will matter to. And I think it's important enough. I think it's important enough and the other officers too. Don't let me leave them out. I think it's important enough that these issues have to be dealt with along with what Brett is saying. I agree with what Brett is saying. But let me go back. I'm gonna gonna push back on Cody just a little bit. There's nothing anywhere that says that as a cop, I have to be kind. Um, It it says that I have to be professional. It says that that I should be uh, considerate. And if you wanna say polite, but on on all my evaluations, it always said brusque. And I'll take that over kind any day because because I tell people what they need to know. And if if, if, if they don't see me as being kind, tough crap, that's not my job. Secondly, I want to see the policy that says that that hold or that maneuver that this person did, this cop did, that Chauvin did, was counter policy. Or if there because everywhere that I'm seeing now, including this article, it starts to indicate that Michigan had neck hold type of things that were allowed policy type of things to do. Where he failed, where Chauvin failed was in not shifting, as Cody has pointed out in the past, and this is where I agree with her, he did not shift from arrest to assistance at the moment that he should have. In- instead, he chose to stay in that position for too long, which, which, in addition to everything else that was going on with this guy, with Mr. Floyd, the drugs, everything else, caused his death. Now they're going to move it out of, out of Michigan, the, the, the trials, they're, they're having hearings, and it's going away and all that kind of stuff. But pushing back against Brett, it does matter for those reasons. It matters for those cops, for those guys, for that community, um, for their families, for all that stuff, it matters a lot. And I think that's important, but on the same vein, then if you extrapolate it further in the, in the grand scheme of things, once you get outside of that community, yes, it's been hijacked, it's been taken over, now it's being twisted and and stretched and and manipulated into something that it never would, never should have been. So everybody, the, everybody here, Cody, Michael crone Brett Barlett, everybody is correct. They're all right in what they're saying. It's it's just turned into such a giant monster of a thing that it becomes difficult to look at a singular situation, the death of Floyd and try to look at it in and of itself, by itself as a singular thing, which it, it needs to be. It, it's taken on this gigantic life of its own and they're, they're martyring some guy that's now that's, it has some criminal record that's quite impressive. And now he's a martyr. You're going, okay, but the three-year-old and the children getting killed in Chicago are a blip on the screen um the the team the two now there's two another teenager and somebody else that got shot in the autonomous zone in seattle a blip on the screen but floyd is a martyr so you and that goes to brett's point of the total askew of the mentality of the people that are driving this agenda
0: well thanks well put dave um guys anybody else on this before we uh we move on well, excellent, excellent content. You know, I was working, um, I was actually working in a, uh, in a black part of town this past weekend at a, at a, at a church. And I was conversing with people and, uh, you know, it's the same place where uh, Brett, I used to do a foot beat and, uh, you know, so by the Ponce de Leon, College Hill, the old projects over, over by there. And so I was getting into discussion with people about this and, uh, it's just, uh, it's just amazing. It kind of like was enlightening to see, you know, what we've got in store for us. Because you know, uh, not even talking about I'm talking about the uh, the taser deaths now in Atlanta, and I was asked, you know, okay, why they charge him with DUI? He wasn't driving. And then I and then I had to explain to him that the statute, you know, if you're still in control of the motor vehicle, but it's DUI driving under the influence. And I had to kind of had to evolve to where, okay, look, don't pay attention to the title. It's just like a catchphrase. It's the statute number, but the statutes are so long. You can't for the title, you can't list every element of the statute. And, and of course he's laughing at me, like I'm making stuff up and making excuses and stuff. And so, but we've got, you know, uh, our work cut out for us and trying to make people, there's just simply people are just not going to be able to, to get it or understand not everybody anyhow. So hopefully the people that they rely on, the leaders and stuff even religious leaders hopefully they'll be the ones that will help you know smooth things out i don't know cody
1: I just want to clarify something just because of what Dave said. Um, I think that it's important for people to realize that being kind and compassionate and having empathy on the job does not mean that you can't have professionalism. One doesn't negate the other. You can have both. And even with kindness and compassion as a police officer, yeah, there's nothing that says that you have to be, but it doesn't hurt to be able to have that dialogue with people because you are a kind person and being receptive to their wants, needs, and what's going on with them emotionally or mentally or whatever it is kind of call you're dealing with kindness doesn't mean you can't turn on your bad it doesn't mean you have to be some that's incapable of doing your job you know you can be kind and still go to task and do what you have to do it's just one part of being a person and identifying with others who you're dealing with i just wanted to clarify that
0: well thanks cody i think a lot of us are just done Uh, especially the guys in the street you know, they're, yeah, Brett, I see Brett's animation. I love it. I talk and I see all this movement in the background and it's Brett, you know, he's so animated. I love it. I love you, Brett. But um, it's a good thing I'm married, by the way. Don't tell my wife I said that. But uh, but anyhow, I, I think we're just done, you know, just with these protesters and stuff. I mean, yeah, there, it's just too much. I hate to say there's too much niceness, but there's too much niceness, you know, we need to, you know, they need to let us do our jobs. Cops, know how to fix this issue and I and it's gonna sound bad if I say kick ass and take names but they need to take the gloves off and let us we could get this country where it needs to be in three days you know but they're not gonna let us do our job so um
1: where where's right. the water cannons come on where's the water cannons they work great
0: they'll take they'll take those away like they did the the OC and and, and uh the the gas and stuff but but go ahead we got we got Captain Brett that opened up his microphone
3: you know you're right, Chip. We, could, Us old guys could take it back. We'd hurt a lot of feelings and we bust a lot of heads righteously within state law and department policy, I add in parentheses, but we get Thank it back. You. But he, like, here's what's not coming from the leadership, not in Tampa. And, and I'm extremely disappointed with my ex partner, the mayor of the city of Tampa. Here's what should have come out the per mouth first night, Chip, and see if you guys agree with me. We will stand by you. If you want to protest, exercise your Second Amendment rights, um, or First Amendment, like we want to exercise our First Amendment rights. But if you break the law, you'll go to jail. If you hurt my officer, you're going to go to the hospital on the way to jail. Now, that's the end of my message. Let's go out and have a good time. That's all you need to say. You need to set the tone, because the tone has not been set other than you can do what you want to get away with. it. We're going to talk about later on how they're breaking into the Hillsborough County Sheriff's jail, and nothing happened. So the tone has been set, and our leaders let them get away with it. No wonder they're emboldened. Chip. There's nothing going on. There's no pushback. There's no I pushback. Agree. Finally, some places, you know, they're popping a couple of guys, but there's nothing. Let me tell you what, pal. If that if that protest is my face this close and they flinch, I'd punch them right in the snot locker, and I'd get away with it legally. They should tell those guys, look, you want to protest? Fine. You come at my face. If I had any indication you're about to swing on me. I'm going to take this night sick, I'm going to shove it down your throat, and they're going to have to remove it out of your ass. But you need to set the tone. And I'm tired of it, I worry for my son. I lose sleep over my son who's out there having to deal with these idiots, because the leadership chip is not stepping up to the plate. Cops, and you know, you guys on this panel know this, if the leadership's behind you, you'll walk with them to the edge of hell. But when they're not behind you, tough. Have you guys ever, have you ever lost an hour of sleep over a criminal, ever?
0: Thanks, Captain. Good point, uh, Michael. Do you want to close us out on this?
2: Yeah, Chip. You know, hiding these protests as peaceful, but yet they're using terror on people and citizens to take over streets, destruction of property, national monuments, even killing and beating police officers, hostile takeover of lands and highways, baiting police into using force. How is that peaceful? How is that getting a message with our? politicians stepping back and being afraid to do anything. that That's not what us taxpayers pay these politicians to do. And as Brett said, until they're, they're going to allow law enforcement to be law enforcement officers and enforce the law, we're going to keep getting killed by the numbers or injured by the numbers. And that's what what's happened They're taking over our cities.
0: Thanks, Michael. All good, guys. Thank you for the input. Let's move on to our next one, and let's see we've got a article from caliberpress.com cody actually sent this to me de-escalation completely misunderstood employed and trained now the author on this one is jim glennon and he talks about over the past few weeks uh, we've been hearing the term of de-escalation training and of course david degress our panelists has been affectionately nicknamed by our um subscribers as uh the de-escalator um uh, but they're talking about de-escalation training as a sort of rallying cry from all quarters of the country, grieving families, media activists, local and national politicians, and even the president of the US has enshrined those two words into the uh, national lexicon. So, after a video of almost any force event gains an audience of a viral nature, someone, and usually someone who knows nothing about police work or dealing with non-compliant people, They demand to know why the officer did not use de-escalation tactics. Now, the media often picks up on the question. They invite self-described specialists to sit down, give an opinion on whether the officer could have said or done something else to avoid the use of force. The observation is usually a meandering, a blathering mumbo-jumbo that infers a dangerous and misleading misnomer, which is that anyone can be de-escalated if an officer chooses to utilize a de-escalation tactic. Now, according to our author, what's worse is the next conclusion, which is if the person was not de-escalated, then the officer in question simply and purposely chose not to utilize a well-established and proven de-escalation tactic. And it's therefore inferred that the failure to employ de-escalation tactics was a callous choice, heartless decision, which resulted in a preventable injury or worse, even death. Now, all the officer had to do was pull from his quiver of de-escalation arrow and launch it, and the situation would have been calm, the stress would have dissipated, and all would have been at peace. No one would have been injured, but he chose not to, and all that is complete nonsense. But the blame is placed, the myth flourishes, and expectation grows. So um, the author goes on, good point, the the author goes on to say that de-escalation is a goal, it's a desired end, it's a preferred result. It's not a series of of words or an algorithmic formula, which can simply needs to be plugged into any irrational interaction. Um, Knowing what to say begins by recognizing who it is that you're dealing with and what their needs are in the context of immediacy. It all comes down to your understanding of human behavior and true communication skills, which cops get very good at using because they do it every day. And then you work your way from there. So there are no words that you have to use. Um, what you must do is develop some level of understanding about the person that you're dealing with, which is in the moment. And then there's no one correct way in order to do this, no true and righteous path, according to the author, that will get you to your end goal, which is the de-escalation of an escalated person. And again, the person is in an escalated state. They've got a goal, they've got a purpose, and that's where they're trying to get to. So um, that said, David, I, I would love to hear from you on this. Cody, you want to go first? Go ahead. And uh, but, David, I'd love to hear your input on this too.
1: I was going to say, you know, when citizens talk about de-escalation and they want to see the end result of that. I think it would behoove them to do some ride alongs with their local police department and see how well that works. I mean, there's more times than not that it doesn't work uh, and that you still have to go hands on with someone. And I think that as they talk about defunding police and talk about bringing on social workers and mental health workers to go out and handle calls, which when they're dealing with a mental health pers- person, you know, patient, that's great. When they deal with a violent criminal, they're not going to, it's not going to go so well. And I think that society is going to see what happens with de escalation or exactly what does doesn't happen when they start to transition into defunding police departments and having social workers respond to do our job. Reality check.
0: Thanks, Cody. David, before you go, I want to give a shout out about column case management. So are you tired of a case and record management systems that are difficult to use, inaccurate, and they're hard to report off of? How about help desks that take hours to respond to simple questions that take just seconds to answer? Check out Column Case Management, state-of-the-art investigative software with a 24-hour help desk. They respond within 30 to 45 seconds. Besides great customer service, investigators choose Column's modern software platform for the following reasons. Their software makes it easier to enter and manage data through the lifecycle of the case. With their link analysis module, investigators and analysts can effortlessly connect the dots throughout the case lifecycle. They can quickly drag and drop any size attachments, including video, into a case. Smart reporting helps generate reports with the click of a button or on a schedule. And then for law enforcement agencies, their community policing module it tracks, manages, and prioritizes all the complaints and plans that citizens submit. So with their mobile-first technology, you can use your smartphone, laptop, and or your desktop and have the same functionality. So from the opening of the complaint to case close, let column manage the lifecycle of a case. Now, just FYI, their biggest client is Chicago PD but their typical agency is much smaller a typical agencies are like 15 to 20 investigators using their application. So for more information visit columncase.com or schedule a free demo by emailing info at columncase.com. We'll have more information on our website as well and David, the floor is yours.
4: You know there was a couple of things in the article that it was it was a good article very very well written um it hit all of the the high points about it um i love the guys in, at caliber press that that uh piggyback off of us from you know many <laughs> many shows ago when they start ta- when they start picking up these subjects um and and we talked about this many times you know deescalation and and i honestly believe that it's it's kind of a two-pronged thing where one part of the public has no clue what deescalation actually actually is and they, they are the ones that, be, that actually believe, as in the article, it says you can pull out this little plastic card with a couple of words on it and say the words and everything automatically uh, uh, deescalates. Um, and then there's the other side that, that hijacks vocabulary. And it's the, it's the part, it's the, the portion of society that uh, uses or takes words and redefines them to fit whatever narrative they want to use them, and in this case, to use them against the police by redefining what de- de-escalation is, and then using that definition against the police and what the police do on a daily basis. Um, the other part, the, the last, for the very bottom of the article, it says that um, you know that that peace officers are in the human behavior business. That's that's what. That's what cops do for, for a living. It's the human behavior business. I've said it many, many times before that if, if in the health industry, a good portion of our society was required to go through some sort of psychological counseling, most of us would be out of a job. Because that's, that's a huge part of the problem. They don't have the tools. They don't have the mental capacity. They don't have the ability to deal with the daily stresses of their life. And we get called when their world goes to shit. We don't get called when it's a nice day, when they're having a barbecue and when they want us to come by and have something to eat. Um, it's, it's when it goes to crap. So every call you go on, or most calls that you go on are already bad. So you go there with the intent of trying to de-escalate this situation. But the hijacking of the word is the worst and redefining it. A long time ago, many moons ago in this show, I, I reclaimed the word de-escalation. And if you remember what that was, find the closest escalator and throw the sucker down it. That's de-escalation because it stops the situation right now. Just do it quickly and cleanly. That's all I ask. And don't be kind either. Don't be kind.
0: You know, David, I remember, gosh, it may have been a year or two ago, but you initially said when this whole de-escalation thing came out and they haven't talked about it forever, but you said, and thank you, Ron. I think you got a storm going on over there, Ron. So but, uh, yeah, we'll edit that throat clearing out for us, hopefully. But, anyhow, David, I remember you saying that cops have been doing de-escalation for years. And when this thing became some hot topic, it's something that we've been dealing with. As long as there's been police force, cops have been doing de-escalation. Yeah.
4: Ever since there's been a cop, ever since there was the first cop that walked the beat, um, wherever, so you know, England, Ireland, you know, wherever it was, Scotland, wherever that term was was coined, I can't remember exactly, I don't know the his- history of it. They, they, that's what they do. That's what cops do. They go to a situation, they look at it and they go, oh God, I don't want to fight this big guy. Come on, dude. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's work this out. Let's try to figure some way, whatever, whatever. But it's, it's the hijacking of the word by an agenda-driven uh, group uh, within our society that uses it as a bludgeon. That's, that is what it's coming down to now.
0: Thank you. Major Ron,
5: you know, sorry about the throat clear. It's like I cleared my throat so I could speak.
0: Dude, you got a baritone of like about a twenty-five decibel baritone, <laughs> and, and the, my whole freaking room shakes when you clear your throat.
5: Oh, uh, I was just gonna just comment quickly. You know, everyone thinks that uh, when they defund police officers and they get all these social workers, and you know, we talked about so where are the social workers gonna be? You know, are they gonna be out there with us twenty-four-seven? Are they gonna jump out of the car and de-escalate or? You know, and uh, it was funny. Someone sent me a, a really nice a meme. I sent it to a couple of y'all tonight. Instead of uh, SWAT meaning special weapons and tactics, it's going to mean social workers and therapists. So you call SWAT, that's just going to show up. But um, yeah, I think you said it best when you said everyone thinks that you read off this card and then instantly. Oh, if they would have just read those two or three sentences, this guy wouldn't have murdered you know two people. You know, and 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 and. Cody hit the nail on the head, and I've been I've been hammering this home also in my campaign. Get the citizens to go to academy. Get them to ride along. You know, see what a police officer sees. You know, um, I think the people in South Tampa are getting a taste of that now. Black Lives Matter uh, painted the, the, you know, the, their fists all over the the ship, the Gasparilla ship, and all <laughs> up and down, <laughs> yeah, and all over the c- couple of statues, and, and this is a mess. It's like. You know your message is so lost. It's so lost. No one, no one is even paying attention anymore. And then when you find out that Black Lives Matter ain't helping Black folks, uh, you gave. You know. You know how much money they have raised in this past month, past thirty days. Anyone guess? A lot.
0: A lot. I'll bet. Four hundred
5: and sixty about- million dollars. <sighs> four hundred sixty million. Can you imagine if you took that four hundred and sixty million dollars and really tried to help people? Just. I mean, real people. People on the ground, people that can count, people you can count, people that need help, that want help. I this is just a. I, I'm just. I'm so over this. I can't even. I don't want to get on. You know. I don't. Didn't come on earlier because I just. I'm so emotional over this mess. You know. You know. Officers working 15 days straight. 15 days straight. You know. Uh, sleeping anywhere from five, maybe six hours a night. Is lucky if they're lucky, and they don't have a new baby. You know. It, it's just a mess. It, you know. This makes no sense. And uh, I'm going to give up the floor now before
0: I get going. Thanks. All right. Well, very good. Brett, did you want to add something?
3: I do. I absolutely do. Wouldn't it be better if Black Lives Matter was named uh, people who like to a lot and burn down? Wouldn't we feel better about attacking them back? But when you have this wonderful name, Black Lives Matter, right, it'd be like if the communists had a, a group called Red lives matter. I mean, it just sounds so wonderful. It's just all this kumbaya crap, and if you attack it, well, well, don't you think black lives matter? So we're going, well, crap. I guess they do. Well, and if you acknowledge the name, you have to acknowledge the content. But what a genius! I don't know who ever came up with. But what a genius marketer came up with this wonderful thing. I mean, it evokes tears. Black lives matter. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. Let me write a check. But it should be um, socialist, Marxists, leaning <laughs> communists who like to start crap and burn stuff down matters. And we've gotten back to this. All these companies are all writing checks. It's like, it's like when the La uh, the, the, the Familia came into the neighborhood and they said, hey, we'll protect you. All you gotta do is give us a little bit of the fig, but we'll protect you. But oh, by the way, clause B, if you don't, if, if you don't give us money to protect you, we'll burn you down. Um, the race pimp, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, from decades ago, he's still out there s- selling his his pimpatudinous. Chip, they people, people. These companies are paying the vig. They're paying for protection money. They know that's a bunch of crap, but they're trying to buy their way out. And I'm telling you what, like Target, all these wonderful things Target did. They tried to have the bathrooms for the for the for the queers and the lesbians and the and the one-legged. You know, all, all the LBGTQ, I don't remember all the queers comes to mind right away anyway. But, and, and look look what happened to them. Look what happened to them. What did the people say? If, if, if you don't quit calling the police on us, we're going to burn your store down. Black Lives Matter. Oh, wait, here comes another tear. Oh, let me write you another check.
0: You know, Brett, talking with, you know, about all that, I'm surprised it's the first show I've seen you without having like uh, some kind of a fully automatic or semi-automatic weapon in the background. I would think that with this particular topic and with your point of view, you would at least have at least maybe two guns in the background while you're talking. No,
3: they're, they're all propped up in the front window. I could
0: take the camera in
4: there. Okay. Anyway, I feel better now. Just for clarification, Chip, if you look in the image behind Brett, you can see the shoe. And, and that is the shoe that he's going to put up someone's ass, hmm. <laughs> given the opportunity. <laughs> that's <laughs> so get, that, that's get,
0: the get smart. That's the get smart yeah, shoe, I you. guess. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Guys, is there anybody else on this? All right. Well, thanks. Great input. And a good closure at the end, Captain. Let's go police1.com for our next one. And we've got three. This is going to be tough because I, I hate to do these parts. But look, we're we're – We're a law enforcement talk show. We don't always talk about things that are pro-law enforcement, so as is going to be obvious from this. Three North Carolina police officers fired over racist rants. Um, So look, you're not going to find anybody, I don't think, in law enforcement that's going to condone this. Um, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, three members of a North Carolina police department have been fired after a department audit of a video recording captured one of the officers saying a Civil war was necessary the white black people off the map, and that he was ready. He was ready to do this and, and this is just they're just auditing you know video videotape. so the the um or I guess it's it's uh, it's digital, but so it's the Wilmington Police Department. they took the action on Tuesday against Corporal Jesse Moore and officers Kevin Piner and Brian Gilmore. and in this whole story, I couldn't really find anything about Brian Gilmore. so I don't know why they fired him because I didn't see him listed, but they're saying that each was accused of violating standards of conduct, criticism, and use of inappropriate jokes and slurs. goes on to say that Piner and Gilmore, they began talking from their respective um, cars, at which Piner criticized the department. He said that its only concern was kneeling down with the black folks. And then Moore referred to a black female as a Negro. And then he also referred to the woman by using a racial sh- racial slur. He repeated the use of the slur in describing a black magistrate, and then uh, Moore used a gay slur towards the magistrate as well. Piner told Moore that he feels the civil war is coming and that he's ready. He said that he's going to buy a new assault rifle, and soon, quote, we are just going to go out and start slaughtering them, expletive, blacks. I can't wait. God, I can't wait, unquote. So Moore responded that he actually would not do that. Then Piner told Moore that he felt a civil war was needed to wipe them all. Off the expletive map, that'll put them back about four or five generations. Moore told Piner that he was crazy, and I think all of us would agree with that. So Police Chief Donnie Williams said that he will recommend that the three officers not be rehired because he's going to notify the North Carolina Criminal Justice Training and Standards Commission about their behavior. And what he's saying is he's going to have them freaking decertified so that no agency in that state is going to be able to hire them. Just some horrible crap that went on, but we're covered on the show to let you guys know that doesn't happen a lot. There are some cops like this, and joke or no joke, whether the guy was a racist or not, and I think I'm tending to believe that he is with those comments. Um, you know, get him out of law enforcement, it makes the rest of us look bad. So um that said, um, and they also tossed out the cases that these guys had to deal with too. So Major Ron, the floor is yours.
5: Yeah, these are the the jack wagons that make it difficult for every officer, um, especially white male officers, but they make it difficult for all of us. You know, as soon as you're trying to build a, a relationship with the community and saying, look, we're not this, we're not that, you know, you have a like this or like these gentlemen that uh, do something that's stupid and then everyone could go, CCC. now all you need is one of these idiots and now everything is true. Anything some, that some Wahoo says is now true, you know? And um, of course your cases are thrown out, you're garbage. But, you know, even if he's not racist, he's trying to be funny, nothing you said was funny, and you can't convince anyone, you know, that looks like me that you're not racist. You know, you can't convince anyone. Now, can you imagine if you put your hands on my child and then I find out about this stuff? I'll whoop your ass until your ass is blacker than mine. I can't imagine you being this stupid in this day and age and with all the stuff we have going on right now. You need a good ass whooping, and you need to be decertified, and you don't need to be a police officer anywhere on planet Earth, okay? Run until that.
0: Thank you. Michael Crone, Brett Bartlett, Cody Ann Cook. Go ahead, guys.
2: All right, in my days uh, with the union and representing hundreds of police officers, you know, I can tell you, these these guys need to go. there is no There's no excuse, no justification for saying that, off-duty or on-duty. Out of 750,000, almost 800,000 law enforcement officers in the United States, uh, that is not what law enforcement stands for. I think we all on this panel will agree that we don't agree with those words, uh, any sentiment that they were trying to express, whether they're joking. Uh, when, you, when you go on a, on a tirade like these officers did, what do they expect that's going to happen? So I could say representing law enforcement for as many years as I have, um, I'd walk those guys right out the door. I, there's no, There's no defense for what they did
0: thanks thanks you know if i was a union president and they were members of my union you know i would not defend these guys represent them you know screw (laughs) screw them that's just horrible um brett bartlett and cody go ahead guys
3: i've got more of a beef with these knuckleheads than i would about a guy who's in a fight maybe he gave one punch you know too many or maybe went kind of out of bounds in the heat of battle but these guys they're sitting around and this is this is a this is a nice quiet relaxed talk imagine how they're going to act when they're when they're jacked up on fear and adrenaline and they're they're just going to go to pieces so i i agree with this guy. they need to go they need to go right now the department needs to cut them off they need to take that diseased part of the plant cut it off and throw it in the fire they, they can't be there anymore they're poisoning they're poisoning the organization
1: thanks cody i agree i mean look at Look at Brett's got his shoe out on the on the floor ready to kick him in the ass and give him a point right there. He wants to drive at home. He's already ready to go. See his boot sitting there. Anyways, um, there's just no excuse for this. These guys have no cooth. And for any of us who are who were were in law enforcement, are in law enforcement, uh, still work in armed security, anything that we're doing, there's no room for that and we should all be very angry about this because it's costing all of us our safety, all of us our potential. I mean, look at the the teletype we had from the feds uh, two weeks ago saying that there's going to be hits on people that are retired in their homes and ambushes and assaults and all these things going on. You know, the, we are living in a volatile America le- right now. And if you have somebody in your police department that's adding fuels to the fire, shame on them. Get them the hell out.
0: Thank you, Cody. All good. Well, at least the department was proactive they went through these, they went through the, uh, the audio and, and videos on this stuff. So, I mean, that's, I think it says a lot for the department personally. Um, cause you know, I think they're just doing this routinely. So, all right, guys, great input. Thank you to our panel subscribers that are on YouTube. Thank you to our advertisers, column case management, gunlearn.com. We have extra duty solutions, Viridian weapon technologies. And thanks again to Pexip and, you know, everybody else, good talk radio and, uh, you know, and also, um, what, I10FM. So hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week, guys. Good night.